The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, power horse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to help fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. Plus, when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form. It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Live on a Monday, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, and Ken Barkley. Filling in for Nick Costos off today. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, going to have a great show today. Obviously, talk a bunch about what we saw yesterday, Championship Sunday, breakdown, Ravens, Chiefs, and Niners, and uh, the Lions. We'll also get into some NBA futures. The well capper, Drew Dinsick, will join us in hour three, 5.20 p.m. Eastern time. And then, of course, we wrap the show with Power Hour and our best bets for today. As always, you can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BeckQL on YouTube. YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can watch us over on the Odyssey app and BetQLnetwork.com uh, as well. We're on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205 with you for the next four hours up until 7 o'clock Eastern time. Ken, been a while since we've done a show. Great to see you. Yeah. How are you? How was the weekend? I almost uh, I almost believed you when you said you were really uh, – we had a lot of fun stuff and you were really excited. And for, for people who don't know, PJ's a, a big Ravens fan like a huge Ravens fan. And we've, we've had you on the show. We've asked you about the Ravens before. Um, the, I mean, of all the shows that you, <laughs> I just, I, I just laugh. I just, of all the shows where it's like, oh, you're filling in on you better, you bet with Ken. Like, well, what show is it? Well, it's the show where your team suffered, like, honestly, I mean, I guess you have the Cundiff game too, but like the worst loss in their franchise history, probably, or one of them at least. And the kind of game, the missed field goal against the Patriots in the in the championship for people who don't remember that game. And uh, and not just that, but the person that you're hosting with was the most obnoxious person yesterday while the game was going on, just parading around as the Chiefs won the game and just peacocking. And we'll get into like my really reprehensible behavior as we go through the show. But just like of all the shows, PJ, I, I feel a little bad for you. I'm sorry. Like that's. I've been there fan base wise when I was a kid. That's a, that's a tough one for you. It was tough. It was tough. Uh, yeah. I mean, trying to think of, you know, the worst losses as a fan, certainly Cundiff is up there. 
Ken, the one that always sticks with me is that Ravens Bengals game. I mean, last year was tough, right? When Tyler Huntley tried to extend and they oh, ran sure. it back. But like Huntley was the quarterback. You knew they weren't going to win the Super Bowl. The loss, though, with uh, Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd, like that was another one that comes to mind on sure. fourth and fourth game. The Ravens Tavon win Johnson, that game. The pick six. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The Bills game with the pick six. But that one, that one was up there just because. I don't know if in the Lamar era, if the Ravens are ever going to have a team that good again. I mean, just when you talk about like players, coaching, and the perfect storm, right? Like the, the injuries, the fact you're at home, the Chiefs were banged up. Um, on paper, this isn't one of their better teams. It just felt like the perfect storm for the Ravens and the way that they had played against great teams this year. They had beaten 11 teams that were had a winning record. Nine of those games, they had won by double digits. The line movement throughout the week, I mean, it closed at five at some spots, four and a half in most, and they opened up at three, three and a half. So I just, I felt confident going into the game yesterday when Lamar had that crazy touchdown when he spun out of the tackle and sure. tried to Zay. Great play, too. Yeah. Great play. I thought, oh, here we go. And then uh, it just kind of went all downhill after that, Ken. We're going to get into it a lot, but <laughs> that game plan yesterday for the Ravens, I, like, as somebody no, who had no the good. Chiefs, you don't like the game plan? You didn't like that no, one? <laughs> no, not, not at all. It's not at all. <laughs> As somebody who had the Chiefs, like, were you just, like, watching the game, like, like thank you, Todd Munkin. Like, thank you for continuing to throw the ball. Sure. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but but thank you. Yeah. Oh, I was – I was thanking a lot of people throughout the course of the game. I was really, uh, whatever particular religion you have to be a, you're a member of, I was probably thanking somebody in it. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. And it wasn't just to be really clear too. I didn't, this was not like one of the biggest bets I've ever made or even close really. But I, I, I'm sure you've had this feeling before PJ too, where just like when the game is that big. So as just a fan, right. You're just like, and you're a Ravens fan. So you're really connected, but I don't, I'm not even a fan of either team. I mean, like you're, I'm like shaking before the game. It's just, it's, it's legendary stuff. And yeah, mm -hmm. the second game is great too. And we'll talk about the Niners advancing also, and they'll play the chiefs in the super bowl. But like this game really like Romo comes on with Nance. Maybe we'll get to Romo at some point too. And like, I mean, like he's shaking as the game is about to like, you just know, that something really important is going to happen. Whatever the result ends up being, something really And so when, like, when you have a bet on a game like that, even if it's not, like, the biggest bet you've ever made or whatever, I just, I, like, transformed into, like, a different person. I just, I really wanted that one. I really did. If, if, if people couldn't follow me, like, yeah, you couldn't tell if you followed me on Twitter yesterday. Just, I, I was really into it. I was really into the game, period, whether I had my phone or not. The kids were out of the house. And... You know, I'm watching the game. I'm kind of living and dying with every play. I feel, I do kind of feel throughout the game, obviously, that the Chiefs are, are at least more likely to win than the price they went off at before the game, even if they didn't end up winning the game. And, but yeah, I just, I just, I really wanted that one, even though it didn't pay as much as a lot of other things I bet on. And I've lost a lot of bets too. Just, I really wanted that one. And it, cause mostly cause honestly, it sets up two weeks of incredible sweat and conversation about the Super Bowl two, which we'll get into as we go. But yeah, I'm watching the game to your point, And I just, I mean, they, the Ravens did a lot of really, really bad things during the game. And I, you know, you could give a lot of credit to Mahomes and Kelsey and they played great. And the chiefs defense in the second half was really good. Also 17 boneheaded mistakes. I mean, just, you could just count them off and they're all, brutal i mean they're all the zay flowers fumbles the worst one probably the mar pick might probably is the second worst one but yeah i mean i'm watching it as it goes and i just go i can't believe not that the chiefs won pj but just that like that it happened that way 
and that the Ravens fell as flat as they fell during the game. I thought the Chiefs would win. I, I don't know if I thought they would win exactly that way. When So what was it? Because obviously this is the first time that you and I are kind of talking about the game and, and breaking it down. Like, what the hell like, is wrong Because I believe what you want to ask me, right? That's like, that's like... What, what was it about the Chiefs yeah. that made you so confident? Like, what was it about them in this game that made you like them? Was it just Mahomes as a dog? Was it fading Lamar in the playoffs? Because, you know, when I was breaking down this game, when I was talking about it with friends, family, who also love the Ravens, and we watch every game, and we will go back and we watch the highlights and we watch it closely, Ken, I felt like the only team in the NFL all season that could beat the Ravens was the Ravens. Like, that's it. I thought, head and shoulders, they were the best team in football. If they played a clean game, if they played to their strengths and they ran the ball and defensively they kept it in front of them, I didn't think anybody can beat them. And even after yesterday's game, I still feel that way. You know, when you turn the ball over in the red zone twice and you only give the ball six times to your running backs, like you're not exactly setting your up, yourself up for success. So I just want to know, like, as somebody who bet the Chiefs and was highly invested, what was it about them that made you really like them in the game? So it was definitely a combination of things. Uh, so I think first and foremost is the price, right? Like it's just, you know, in, in any game, like if you tell me, we go fast forward or uh, rewind rather to a week ago Monday. And it's like, Hey, the Ravens are going to play the chiefs in the AFC championship. The line is a pick them. Like I, I would have been like, Ooh, like I, I don't know if I, I kind of like Baltimore. <laughs> like I don't really have a strong opinion on this game. Like I, I think that sounds pretty good. So it's not just like, well, Mahomes is going to win every game and that's why you bet them. At least not for me. There are some people who probably take that approach and they're rich too. But, uh, but for me, it's like, it was just the price. And I feel like there were just there had been this incredible setup to the game that was unlike honestly how a lot of betting markets tend to work. Maybe that's an unfair characterization, but like it was unique. It felt it felt unique as as even the Sunday was happening. We're doing the show yesterday, Nick and I, and just you know you have this like tried and true commodity that's been so good. And everybody makes the Brady comparisons. Brady didn't play in games that were mark that had a market like yesterday. Like that didn't ever like I I was there. I was a senior in high school when they won the first Super Bowl. Short of like the Rams Super Bowl wasn't like there was a neutral site game. Like the it just it's not it's like not apples to apples. Like but you have this known quantity that's so good, and it's not that he shouldn't have gone off as a dog in the game. The Ravens had a lot of like advantages. They were hosting the game. They had been better in the regular season. It's not that like the wrong team was favored. Just the market just kept drifting and like kept drifting. And there was this almost like a mania around that the Ravens like had to win that game. That's like the sense that I got from just the way the reporting about how the betting was going. A lot of other gambling content creators are tweeting a lot of things. I think they wish they could take back, honestly, like insane stuff. Like, oh, like Circa's at five and the market's four and a half. It's over. The Ravens win. Like people that are, and the, like the people following the markets are tweeting these crazy things. And it's so the price, it's just like, the, I think we had this remarkable setup where injuries, regular season performance, home field advantage with like, honestly, and the people think I'm crazy with this, like a pinch of everyone hates this team now. Everyone hates this team now. And half the country hates the tight end and his girlfriend. And it's just <laughs> all collectively, that's not, that's thing number 74 for why this happened. It's not like thing number two, but it's just all collectively created this environment that was like really insane. Honestly, I, I, just, I thought it was crazy the whole time, to be honest. And it's not that the Raven, it's like the market 
just, I think, kind of got away from things a little bit. And there was this obsession with that this had to happen because of the injuries, because of, you know, like the fatigue advantage and the regular season and Lamar is so good. And the Ravens have all these advantages in the field and like all this stuff. I feel like everybody got so wrapped up in it that the price got away from people. And like, I didn't have to be right. Like I, you know, to, people would be like, well, why didn't you bet $10 billion on it? Cause like, it was just an opinion. It wasn't even like the strongest opinion I've ever had. I just kind of, that's why I wanted to bet the game. And I, I, you know, ended up with a really good result. So it was just kind of everything PJ. And, you know, there's some things about the, I would love to talk with you about the Ravens actually in their future in this first hour. Cause I do think yeah. the Lions too. I think they're very interesting, but that's just, that was just kind of my thought is like, Look, your team, very deserving of like the credit in the market that they got and being rated as the favorite and the way their Super Bowl odds were priced. But just like when push comes to shove and I get that price on that quarterback against that quarterback and it not it wasn't quite as disadvantageous the setup, I think, as everybody thought then it just seemed like a real, like almost two to one on him to win that game. I think we're going to look back at that market as like a really interesting one in Patrick Mahomes career. Mm, yeah, it, it certainly is. And, you know, the Super Bowl market opened up as San Francisco minus two and a half. People quickly snatched that up. And now on BetMGM, right. it's almost a pick them with the Niners minus 115. So and Kansas everybody, City everybody's trying to 10. undo their mistake. That's what that's what that yeah. feels like to me, by the way. We're not we'll do the game later. We got two weeks to do the game. Yeah, I'm sure you're, you've got 10 more send it ins to talk about the game or whatever. I'm sure you did a little bit on it earlier today. That's that is what yeah. that feels like to me, though, is the, the collective like backlash of, well, I'm not going to get fooled this time. Like, I'm, no, 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 I'm going to be on it. Exactly. Like, I, I missed it, but now I'm going to be on it. It's like, well, this game's totally different. Like, that's not what this is. That's not close to what the Ravens game was. They're two totally different things. Ken, you know what's interesting, though? You bring up a great point, too, because I kind of fell victim to this, where when Kansas City was playing Buffalo and we got to Chiefs plus three, for me, it was like, if you're giving me Mahomes plus three, like, I'm going to take that, right? It's just one of those auto bets. You get a certain player at a certain number, and if I lose, so be it. But for me, it was like, Sure, these teams are probably comparable, and the Chiefs obviously have had Buffalo's number in the past in the postseason, and I, I just enjoyed the fact that all week people were going to talk about how this was Mahomes' first playoff road game, and people kind of wanted to fade him in that spot, and I almost looked at it as I think this is going to be one of those spots where the team is going to rally around, and yet when Baltimore opened up as three, three and a half, and where maybe the conventional wisdom would have been, if you like Mahomes at three, you certainly are going to like him at three and a half or four, even though Baltimore is a better team. You really didn't hear too much of that, right? It was like, this is one of those games where Baltimore is clearly better. And it might be one of those things where, you know, the Ravens should win this game. But if you're betting the Chiefs, it's just like you said, it's that quarterback at that number. And Andy Reid, Mahomes with a great defense are just going to find a way to get it done. So it's kind of interesting how you got the key number in Buffalo. And me personally, like that was part of my handicap was just getting Mahomes at the key number. And then when they played the Ravens, like there really wasn't much of that talk when they, when they played Baltimore. I, uh, can I interrupt for a second to do something completely random just because we have some breaking yeah. news that just came across. Sure. This is, this is like really interesting. Uh, Joel Embiid has just been ruled out for tonight's game against the Blazers. And they, for people who don't know, the Sixers are on this. They're about to start a back-to-back. -back. They play at the Warriors tomorrow. Um, I'm gonna guess that the MVP market is about to go completely haywire. And my advice to Pete, because Embiid is gonna get really close to the number of games where he will not be eligible for MVP, and missing this game is a terrible sign for that happening. As was missing the Denver game on full rest. Is this market even up right now? 
if you have bet any Joel Embiid to win MVP, you need to pull the ripcord on this in the next like minute. And you need to either cash out or bet as much as you can on the other two favorites. I think this is like portending for like this whole thing's about to get nuts. And I actually think you have like a very small amount of time to do this and things are already moving. So like, I just wanted to cut in to do that right now. We can clip that. By the time we clip it, it might be too late. Like, sorry, this is just how it goes. Like this thing I think is about to get nuts. And I don't want people that bet MB to be caught like holding the bag on this. You got to get out of this bet like right now. And I'm not, yeah. he, he can still win. He can still win. You got to get out of this bet like right now, just like for your, for your sanity for the next three months, you got to get out of this thing. So, and it's for your own, it's for your own good, honestly, even if he wins. Yeah, BetMGM right now has pulled uh, MVP off of the Smart board. So, to your point, that, that market probably is going to move. You better you bet presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley, coming back after the break. Lead a fake, a spin, another fake. The buckets and the foul. Joel with a chance at 50 here tonight. Embiid. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. DJ Glasser, Ken Barkley, filling in for uh, Nick Costos. We'll be back tomorrow here on You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM. You can watch us on twitch.tv slash BetQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, over on the Odyssey app as well, Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. We are going to get to plenty of football talk on the show today, but we had some breaking news towards the end of last segment where uh, Joel Embiid was ruled out for the game tonight against Portland. And uh, Ken, this is, this is huge development for the MVP race in the NBA. Yeah, totally agree. So just to like give people, we'll give, do like a minute on getting everybody up to speed. Cause maybe we maybe are paying attention to this and it's really interesting. And a lot of stuff happened over the weekend too, that we, <clears throat> that we, you know, got kind of, we're going to go over anyway until we had this news with tonight. So Joel Embiid, by missing tonight's game, he can now only miss five more games the rest of the season. And if he misses more than five, he will be ineligible for all NBA and most valuable player. He will not be like allowed to be selected. There's a process where he can appeal, but it's like extenuating circumstances. It's not this, basically. It's like, I don't even want to make up a situation. It would be like morbid or something, but like whatever. There's like special circumstances where he could get an exemption and still be eligible I don't believe any of them apply to this specific situation, which is just you're hurt and you're not going to play. And this is happening to Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers, too, who's about to cost himself like $200 million in Supermax money by not meeting the games threshold. Probably this year he aggravated his hamstring injury. So uh, the handicap of MVP was becoming really, really tenuous and really stressful, honestly, because you're not handicapping player performance anymore. And it was becoming more and more and more likely as Embiid was playing more games, and as he was playing really well, his 70 points the other night against the Spurs, as he was doing this, it became very clear, or at least in my opinion, it became very clear that if he met the 65-game threshold, he was going to win almost 100% of the time. Like, it was, there were basically becoming two halves. Uh, Jay Croucher, who does a lot of work for NBC, Bet the Edge, who bets awards, I was talking about this today, he said there were like two umbrellas of outcomes, is how the way that he put it, where it's like Embiid, when he when he plays the 65 and when he doesn't and you're assigning a probability to each one and then within the he plays 65 you need to have some outcomes like well he plays 65 but Jokic just absolutely like kills it or he plays 65 but Luca absolutely stuff like that but as Embiid was doing what he was doing 
those outcomes kind of got really small and it kind of became, is he going to play the 65? Yes or no. And that almost became the MVP market. The yes is Embiid to win MVP. The no is everybody else. And you assign whatever probability you want to that. I feel pretty strongly that if he, I still feel pretty strongly if he gets to the 65, that I think he's just going to win. I actually think he'll win really easily if he gets to the 65, even by dodging the Nuggets game the other night. Now, what we've learned by him sitting out tonight's game is that it wasn't a dodge. He's really hurt. Woj alluded to this in the pre and post game show uh, during like the triple header that occurred during rivals week over the weekend that there's really something wrong here. And Woj even saying like Embiid might want to sit out an extended period just to make sure he's ready for the playoffs. There was almost sympathy. Stephen A. Smith had some of the same stuff. There was almost sympathy, like, no, no, like, this might be really bad. Like, he might really, his knee might be messed up. And if that happens, here's why the market's so tricky, right? Let's say you're holding Embiid, like I am, and you have eight to one, nine to one, seven to one, you have all, and you've just been, and uh, first month of the season, 11 to one, 10 to one, like, you, you just gathered all these prices. The really tricky thing, PJ, is, like, put yourself in my position for a second. Okay, great, like, got ahead of the market, made really valuable bets. The bets have aged really well. He is going to win probably if he meets the game's threshold. But I am one Woj tweet, one Shams tweet, hey, he's going to be out one to two weeks. I am one push notification from everything going to zero. And I can't get out of this bet. Can't get out of it. Like, Markets close, everything gets yanked, prices go crazy. It's I called it game over earlier today. Like I am one tweet away from game over. <laughs> that is a terrible place to live. <laughs> it's a terrible place to be as he keeps missing these games. So I was perfectly happy living in that place before the Denver game. Had a little more room to play with. He had played pretty well since he came back. They had more back-to-backs, or I'm sorry, fewer back-to-backs left than games he could miss. So he could like not even play the second nights a lot and still get there. But that's gone now because he missed the Denver game and he misses tonight's game. So just again, to be really clear of what I said in the first segment, and PJ, I'm curious kind of what your reaction is to all this. I'm not saying he's not going to win now. What I'm saying is the market is going to react really aggressively to this news. He missed a game, then he missed another one. They play tomorrow. We're running out of games and it's January. I he maybe he still gets there. How do you think the market's going to respond to that? And if you're holding Embiid and your bets have aged really well, again, my opinion, and I believe this very strongly, and I'll I'll be wrong. Like if he goes and he wins, be like, oh Ken, you missed an opportunity to just hold, and you he would have won. Like why didn't you just hold? I don't want to hold. I I have pulled the ripcord. I'm good on all of this. I'm so good. And because I got nine to one, ten to one, eleven to one, eight to one, seven, whatever. Who do I want to bet? Everybody. Who cares? More Jokic. He's going to be a minus favorite pretty soon. But like, who cares? And that's honestly, that's the good thing about making good bets. You can have this happen and you can just do that. And it's totally okay. And you just, yeah, like it gets paid in May. That sucks. They hold your money for a little bit. But like you gave yourself that out. I'm a a push notification away from like being broke in this market. Do anybody want to live there? Anybody want to live in that neighborhood? I don't. Um, so yeah, this whole thing has just gotten really, really crazy. And I'm not really not sure where we're going here. Yeah. To your point, Ken, the odds have shifted on BetMGM. So this morning, Embiid and Jokic were co-favorites. They were both plus 200. Um, SGA was at plus 350. Luka was plus 650. Giannis was 10 to one. Now, after this news, 
Jokic is the favorite, plus 140. Embiid, plus 325, along with SGA at plus 325. Luka, plus 600. And Giannis, plus 800. After everything you're saying, my big two takeaways are, I don't know if Embiid's number is high enough, and it actually just went to plus 375 as we're talking. It's not done. And I'm... Like, I'm, oh, it's I'm not, not the only one who thinks this. I Trust right. me. <laughs> there are people with bazookas ready on this thing. I mean, this is I mean, like... You gotta, yeah. you gotta jump on Jokic, right? While he's still plus money? Because it just went from plus 145 to plus 125. Like, this thing is gonna yeah. end at minus money in the next hour. And, well, and here's the really crazy part. So you're right, and we the reason... I don't, I don't even know if Jokic is the most likely player to win, by the way. I think he is. That's how weird this is gonna get. Because I... Mm. I said this to somebody earlier, and I mean it. This is Embiid's award. Uh, he's not going to get the games. But, like, the history of the NBA, this is going to be the year where you're like, oh, well, it was Embiid, but, like, then this other guy won. Like, that's how we're going to talk about this one. And so my point in saying that is, if it's his, but it's not his, I think it can get really weird. And, I again, I don't know where we're going. Jokic and Giannis are, like, supposed to be done here. And the voters were going to vote like they're done here. They were going to come in second and fifth or whatever. Now they're just back and winning. That's like LeBron Jordan. That's it in terms of Jokic and what he's going to do three and four years. That's this. Well, it wasn't going to be. It was Embiid's year. And now it's just really weird. So yeah, Jokic can win because this really weird rule is going to come into play for the first time. Or do we get to the end of the season and instead of going for something old, which I still think Jokic is the most likely player to win. If Embiid doesn't get the 65, he came in second in the straw poll. Everybody likes him. He won the title. Like, it's fine. Great. No problem. Generally, people like something new, especially in awards. They're obsessed with new. New and different and not the thing that I've had already. And Jokic has won twice. And Giannis is way done winning. And he won forever ago now. Like, the next guys were supposed to be Luca and maybe SGA and maybe Jason Tatum and maybe some other guys. And it just hasn't clicked. Nobody's voting for SGA yet, which kind of doesn't make sense to me, but it's the voters can do whatever they want. Um, Tatum hard pass, like a, a, the seventh best player in the league. Maybe Luca started having some crazy numbers. The team can't stop losing. He missed a ton of games too, by the way, it's just, they're all bad fits. So right now, everyone's fallback is going to be, well, Jokic. Duh. Like, that's going to be the fall. I don't know if we end that way, but in terms of where the market's going, like, here's what everyone's going to do. They're going to look at all the stats where it's Embiid, Jokic, 1-2, and everything. They're going to look at the previous straw poll where Jokic was second, and they're going to remove the first player, and who the hell do you think they're going to land on? They're going to land on the guy that came in second. Like, that's what that's what they're going to do. And this, it's not done. And if he ever misses tomorrow, I mean, like, 50 to one, like, like so long, like he's just done. Like it's just game over at that point. So that's, that's kind of where we are right now, I think. Interesting. What, what do you think of Giannis? Like at plus 750 and now with the Doc Rivers component, like he's moved from 10 to one to plus 750 now after this Embiid news. Embiid obviously won the MVP last year with Doc Rivers. I, I mean, do you think he is worth, because you're right. I think the fallback, you're waiting for these guys, SGA, Luca to like, take the next step and maybe win the award. Sure. But I think people's fallback are just going to be, let's just give it to the best players in the league. And most would think sure. that if it's not Embiid, it's Jokic and it's Giannis. And now with Doc at head coach, like, do you think that helps Giannis's case? Do you like the price at plus 750? 
I uh, I don't know. <laughs> and like, and I'm I'm gonna put put aside like the hedging part of this. Like, let's treat it like a new market. Like, no one's involved. Like, what would you do? Or as Embiid's moving, what would you bet on? Um, like putting aside like the baggage that I have or whoever whoever you know uh, whoever's listening has. I mean, uh, here's how I like to think about MVP for most sports. There's a team success and a statistical threshold that you have to pass both of. Your team has to be a certain level. You have to be a certain level. As long as you check both of those, it doesn't really matter whether you're first. You just have to be in the club. That's how I like to kind of think about it. So like N- like NFL most valuable player, team's got to be over a certain level. Your stats have to be of a certain level. Got Probably got to be a, a, a high seed, maybe a one or at least close to that. As long as you're that, as if maybe there's two other guys that are the same, then it's just subjective at that point. If you're in the club, and there might be three guys in the club, four guys in the club, five is like a 50 cent song. There's five guys in the club. As long as as long as you're like in that group, I don't I never feel like you have to be first. You just have to be in it. Because then what voters are gonna do is they're gonna look at everybody in the club and they're gonna make a really subjective decision about who they like. But you gotta be it, you got gotta be you can't be like Jason Tatum's out. He's not even in it. Luca's out right now. They're not even, they can't be in the conversation. They're not good enough. So like they can be good enough, but they're not even in the threshold. They haven't even passed it yet. There are four players who were there. Embiid, Jokic, SGA, and Giannis. They're in. Team's good enough. They're good enough. They're top four in everything that matters. Like, so once you're in it, I don't know if Jokic has to win because he's number one at stuff. I think people could just decide to put one of the other guys in the club and make them the MVP, which could be Giannis, or it could be SGA, or someone else could play well enough to get in, pretty unlikely Luka would be the only guy. So to answer your question, like, I have to consider Giannis, he's in the club. Like, I, I have to consider, like, he, the team's going to be good enough. I Now it's kind of like, my my response is going to be, let's see what the voters do. Are, is, it, is it Jokic and it's no question? Is that what it is? And here's, I'll give you an extra wrinkle real quick for 20 seconds. You know who's playing tonight? Jokic. Where are you talking, PJ? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Jokic and Giannis. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Jokic like, and Giannis like, playing really head going. to head. I'm just going to let him go. He's being, uh, he's, it's a, it's, he doesn't actually want me to answer this question. Uh, Giannis, Giannis and Jokic are playing each other tonight. Yeah. In Doc Rivers' yeah. first game as head coach. That's, that's true. Yeah. What if Giannis goes nuts? And on the same day, Embiid's like eliminated. Mm-hmm. I like I, I just I I talked to a lot. I'm in like an NBA chat with a lot of people. We're talking about this today. I messaged a bunch of other people because like we've this was always possible, and it's just it's only gonna get weirder because this is the first. Why is it gonna be weird? This is the first time this has ever happened before. Anytime it's the first time, it's gonna be really weird because uh, nobody's gonna know what to do. And I think they're gonna fall back on Jokic for now, but I can't guarantee if he's floating through games and other people are having great games and he's already won too, I can't guarantee we're going to get to the end and people are going to be like, I want to do that again. They might not want to do that again. They might want to do something different. I, I gotta, I gotta see what they think. They're going to think Jokic right now. I don't know what they're going to think at the end, but the, the key is like, we're getting really, really, really close to actually removing Embiid from candidacy way closer than I was hoping. Can we got like a minute left before we head to break? All good points. I'm wondering, as somebody who has like so much on MB to win MVP, tomorrow night's game is huge, whether or not he comes back or not. If he yep. does play, that will be their 45th game of the season. Is there like a number in your head that you think Embiid has to get to where like he doesn't miss a certain amount of games? Like if he plays the next 13, 14 games and only misses one, 
Like, do you think he's right back in the MVP? Like, have you done the math and thought about, like, he kind of needs to get to this many games without missing before I can start to take him seriously again? I had done the math, and I was really confident in what those tiers were going to be. But I didn't think he would miss Denver, and I didn't think he would miss tonight. And now I don't want to think about the tiers anymore. I'm done with the. I'm done with him, and I'm done with the tiers. And I want to secure my profit, and I'll see you in May on this one. Like I mean, I mean it. Like I just, I think you're really playing with fire if you want to just hold right now. It seems like a really bad idea to me. Mm, interesting. A lot going on in the NBA MVP market. PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley, you better you bet. Presented by BetMGM. Going to continue breaking down Championship Sunday results on the other side of the break. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. The Flowers, he dives! The ball came out! It's recovered by Kansas City! Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? This is a call that could determine the whole game right here. Sneed! It's out. Who has played as at the highest level this entire season, Jim? Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. CBS with the call there, Jim Nance and Tony Romo in yesterday's AFC Championship game between Baltimore and Kansas City. Sneed made a couple of plays. I mean, that getting that ball out of Zay Flowers' hands was crazy. As he he should. He certainly did. Uh, Breaking news about uh, the guy who made the strip sack yesterday on Lamar Jackson. Chiefs defensive lineman Charles Amenahu diagnosed with a torn ACL. Uh, Jordan Schultz reporting that, so we will talk about that. But a reminder to everybody, the big game is right around the corner, and we'll be on site all week in Las Vegas. The Bechtel Network is bringing you live shows from the BetMGM Sportsbook in Mandalay Bay. You better you bet we'll have special guest guest appearances and breakdowns to get you ready to bet on the year's biggest game. Catch it all right here on the BetQL Network. That's going to be a lot of fun one week from today but uh yeah Ladar uh Sneed yesterday Ken was uh he made the play of the game on Zay Flowers with that fumble as the Ravens were going in for a touchdown Ravens with a couple of red zone turnovers yesterday just one of those games you know the Chiefs won the turnover battle three nothing in a game like that I've been impressed with Mahomes this year Ken because his entire career Obviously, Kansas City's had great offenses, and, you know, they haven't had good defenses. So they've had to outscore people, especially, you know, in the playoffs and when they go up against good teams. But I think his ability this season to kind of know when his defense is really playing well and almost when he has to play, like, complimentary football, right? I mean, the Ravens pitched a shutout yesterday in the second half, but you just never got the feeling like that they were going to come back and win that game. And I think Mahomes and the offense understood the way that they maybe would come back in that game is if the Ravens forced a turnover, if they got a defensive touchdown. Obviously, in that Detroit-San Francisco game, one of the turning points was that Gibbs fumble. So, you know, as great as Mahomes is and, you know, best quarterback in football, one of the best ever, I think his ability to understand when his defense is playing well and when all he needs to do is maybe pick up a couple first downs, win the field position battle, um, to me, that was just as impressive as the first two drives of the game yesterday. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think what it speaks to, and this will come up a lot. Uh, well, I, I would love to do Super Bowl MVP at some point before we get off the air. Uh, I've done a bunch on it already this week. I think what it speaks to is, like, what is what is the identity of this team? 
And I know that sounds like a, a weird topic to do on a betting show, but I think what you find historically is that the Super Bowl MVP winner or like how the team wins the Super whoever wins it, whether the Niners win it, we'll get to Niners Lions, probably in this segment, honestly. Whoever wins the Super Bowl, like the MVP actually tends to be reflective of like, well, that was the story of the season. Even if like a, you know, it's somebody that see is seemingly random, like Malcolm Smith wins for the the Seahawks. Well, they were the Legion of Boom defense that like defined their team. So yeah, like Cam Chancellor didn't win and Richard Sherman didn't win, but like that's what the team was. Like that, an incredibly stifling defense and like a good young quarterback in Russell Wilson, but like a defense that's like memorable, the legend, historic, honestly. And even though he wasn't the biggest part of that, he was a part of it. Like 2002 Buccaneers, like Dexter Jackson, like their, their defense, I think they were O2, right? The Dexter Jackson, like, okay, it wasn't Warren Sapp and it wasn't Derek Brooks and it wasn't John Lynch, but like the defense was the reason why that team was historic or good. And so a representative of that defense won. So I think with the Chiefs, what you're pointing at or pointing to is that's interesting is I think there's like some ambiguity even still about this. Like what what is this Chiefs team? Like, what is it? Like when a team has the Legion of Boom, you know it's the Legion of Boom. You know it is the Legion of Boom in week eight. Like you didn't need the playoffs to show you it was the Legion of Boom. Uh you know, the Bears in the 80s, like uh, when Von Miller won for Denver, they were number one in every statistical category on defense. And they had Peyton Manning with no neck, like throwing passes. Like it was really obvious what this was. I, I'm i still kind of not confused is the wrong word, just like unclear. Like what what is this? Is it like is it is it is the, am I not giving the defense enough credit? And that's actually what it is. It's like a legendary defense. Is it is it just balance? Is it like running game and defense? Is it just like, is it is it Kelsey and that's it, which we'll talk about at some point? Like, what is it? And honestly, the fact that it's balanced is probably what makes it so good. But I, I found myself thinking about that yesterday. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, you know, if Mahomes wasn't playing quarterback and if, uh, you know, they didn't have the Chiefs across their chest, we'd almost think of them as like a running football team with, with a really good sure. defense. Like very um, low scoring games. They do, especially against good teams. And that's why that, you know, that total yesterday to, you know, the naked eye kind of looked low at 44 with the two quarterbacks that were playing in the game, but also two really good defenses as well. I, you know, for me, Ken, when also looking at this game yesterday from a Ravens standpoint and something to just monitor when they play Kansas City in the future because they do play them next year, I've just noticed this as a fan. And it's the one team where I think the Ravens have this issue against is they have a Chiefs problem where when they play against him, they try to unleash Lamar like too much, right? They can play any other team in the league and they stick to their DNA and they run the football and they try and possess clock and all this. But it's like the Ravens have this idea that when Lamar goes against Mahomes, it's like they almost have to prove to themselves and like everybody else that Lamar is just as good a passer as Mahomes. And that's why they haven't been as successful. I've always thought that's what frustrates me is when they play the Chiefs is that the Ravens, they never play their best games against Kansas City because they just, they're always uncharacteristic. They never do the things that make them successful against other teams, right? Like when they play San Francisco, when they play Jacksonville, when they played Miami, they're balanced. They run the football. They build off that with play action. And when they play Kansas City, in the second half yesterday, that game was never, 
it was never more than a 10-point lead for the Chiefs. The Ravens only gave the ball to Gus Edwards twice. Justice Hill didn't have any carries. They combined for five yesterday. Zay Flowers had two. It just, it, you know, I thought things would be a little different yesterday, especially the way the first quarter started with the fourth down run with Lamar and the QB power and then Gus Edwards for 16 yards, and they just got away from that. But to me, that's the thing that really nobody's talking about today is it's a specific thing for the Ravens when they play against Kansas City, and they always do it, and they always try and make Lamar this pocket passer when you just got to let Lamar be Lamar. I've always thought he's at his best when he's running and he's playing like schoolyard ball, right, and he's just being the crazy athlete that he is, like on the touchdown yesterday. Like, he's probably the only human on earth that can make that play. Maybe one or two or three. Um, and when you just try, when you just drop him back every play, every play, every play, it just, it almost gets him out of a rhythm. And uh, that's my biggest concern. And it's going to be something interesting to watch, you know, for years to come when the Ravens play the Chiefs. Do they finally commit to the ground game? Because Buffalo finally started to do that. Um, I want to see if the Ravens can do that when they play him next year. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I, yeah, I mean, a bizarre game plan, obviously, like Todd Munkin bringing this offensive coordinate. Like, he's not Greg Roman. We're not going to just run these, like, kind of really creative run packages with fullbacks and tight ends. And, you know, like, that's not what this is going to be. Lamar is going to pass a lot more. He won the MVP. He's going to win the MVP this year. And, yeah, to see that run-pass split. And it's, again, like, low-scoring game. Like, they were not down multiple possessions a lot and if they were it was still early like there was still time to do anything they wanted to do and the bills had had a lot of success running the ball with their great offensive line against the chiefs curious is probably the right word like what you know like i'm not an offensive coordinator i never like to be like well this guy's stupid and he's like nick will do that tomorrow when he comes on uh but just like what what was this like what what <laughs> like what, what what are we doing here um especially like that's the strength of the chiefs like they have, they have first team all pro slot corner. They have another outstanding outside cornerback, boundary cornerback. Like they're, they, uh, you know, Reed would have made an interception probably, or maybe would have made the interception on the play. Lamar passes it, he catches it and runs as part of like that absolutely insane uh, early part of the game. So um, I'm, I agree with you on that. Something we have, we have a couple minutes left. Just something that's interesting to me. We talked about this PJ on the show last week. I was reminded there was this article on 538 like eight years ago, seven years ago, and it's always stuck with me. And I, I, I don't use it to make betting decisions, but I do think it's interesting. And the idea is when a coach and a quarterback don't win in the first few years, you should get rid of one of them because it means it's never going to happen. That's the idea. And the historical examples that are provided are essentially, and I actually took it and ran with it at the time, and I actually did not just the Super Bowl winners, but the Super Bowl losers. So like making the Super Bowl and like, do you do it by just sticking together for a really long time? And to be fair, like most franchises will run out of patience. It's not because, you know, there have been so many quarter coach, coaches and quarterbacks don't stay together for 10 years. They just don't because uh, that's how, not how football works. Still, like, I think really telling that, like, if you don't win with a pairing really early, honestly, and there's like 50 years of evidence to support this. I mean, even winning in like the fourth year is weird that it took so long as a pairing of a coach and a quarterback. It's only happened a few times. Like if you don't win right off the bat, got to change something. And it's so funny because I think about how Lamar was getting shopped last year and then everybody mm -hmm. had the jokes like, well, you could have had him for nothing. Like, I don't know. How do you think the fan bases feel right now? Yeah, could have had him for nothing. And you get that. And you get that in a playoff game. Maybe it's not his fault. He's a dynamic, awesome player. I just think that's really interesting. Like, clearly Harbaugh and Lamar will both be back next year. They just had 
an outstanding individual, like remarkable season. But I, I'm always struck by that. Josh Allen and McDermott will be back again next year, probably for like year seven or eight. There's no historical comp for it just finally working. And that's pretty, probably pretty depressing, I think, for Ravens fans because the team will be good. But that's always kind of stuck with me. And, you know, what's been a big topic this morning, and I think most Ravens fans want, is they actually want to get rid of Harbaugh and they want Mike McDonald to be the new head coach just because of how highly we think <laughs> of him. Is that really a thing today? Is that really big a thing time. they want to fire Harbaugh? Just because of they want Mike McDonald to not leave oh, the okay. organization. Like Which that's, he will, like tomorrow. <laughs> Which he will. He will. <laughs> so, yes, like, he's probably like off today. to Seattle. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's it's not more of a Harbaugh thing. It's just how much we love Mike McDonald and we just think he's this young defensive genius and he's going to be great and we just kind of want to keep him in the organization. And if that means getting rid of Harbaugh, then, you know, I think people... Wow, you guys are cutthroat. You get rid of, like, yeah. one of the most successful coaches of all time. Guy won a Super Bowl. <laughs> and you're like, ah. <laughs> Get him out. He did. What has he ever that done? That speaks to Mike McDonald. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, there's been talk that maybe Washington even takes him and not Ben Johnson. So we'll see. One hour down, hour number two next. You better, you bet. We're going to be over on Stadium. So make sure you go to watchstadium.com. You can check us there. PJ Glasser filling in for Nick Costos today alongside with Ken Barkley here. You better, you bet. Hour number two coming up next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 